Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. As we continue to focus on a series as a church of what it means to be God's masterpiece, what it means for us to be a people who are His living, breathing canvas. I don't know if you see yourself that way, if you understand the reality that the way that God views us is a work in progress, but a work in progress that He is very proud of, that He esteems, that He places value on you that you often don't even put on yourself. There's a portion in the Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that has been the foundation principles that we've been unpacking together throughout this journey of what it means to be God's canvas. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. You know, we've been journeying through what it means to be God's masterpiece and how He works in and through our lives to create the type of work that is not just valuable, but is timeless. I'm mindful that I was hanging out with a friend of mine We've talked about frothing coffee a little bit at Groundswell, Pori at the back there, who has the most beautiful bald head in the building. Just, it shines from here, Pori. It's amazing. You've been waxing. Looks great. Pori showed me the screensaver on his phone is the most expensive picture ever painted that was painted hundreds and hundreds of years ago of Jesus. There's things that are beautiful that are just simply timeless. Do you know that in the heart of God, not... Only are you valuable, but He wants to do a timeless work in and through you. There is an eternal purpose and destiny on your life that goes far beyond the here and now and calls you up and out. We're looking at things of how as a church, if we're called to live as a living, breathing canvas, a masterpiece of God's work, how we go about it, that God uses the paint and the, the things that we offer and the way that we use our words and the way that we actually do community together, which is a very against culture thing where we're called to live our lives alone often, isolated and cut off. But here we are gathering together Sunday after Sunday to choose to do life together. We choose to engage in connect groups or teams or ministries so that we know that we get to celebrate and lift up one another, that we are a living, breathing canvas, that even we have the opportunity to give into of ourselves of what God's called us. And today I wanted to talk to you about how we are called to be a people who don't hold back. Let me say that with me. Don't hold back. Very good. Thank you, Roman. Yeah, we were in prayer this morning and our prayer meetings are amazing. And when I pulled up to church on Thursday for our 9.30 prayer meeting, I couldn't find a park in our car park and to cruise around. I love that problem. That is a good problem to have people. When you rock up to the church premises and it's hard to find a park, celebrate. That's a good thing. And we're praying this morning and I shared with the group that was here for prayer, this idea of those who hesitate are lost. And I was reminded as we're praying through this idea of not holding back and not limiting ourselves and not allowing ourselves to live a life where we are constantly putting ourselves in check and stopping what God wants to do in and through us. I was reminded of the season that my wife Rhiannon and I had the honour of living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia which is a typical Southeast Asian city where you have the most amazing traffic possible. But most people at that time were getting around on little 125cc motorcycles that are just buzzing around everywhere. And that when you look at the streets, 
all you see is a hive of activity where there may be traffic lights up and there may be flashing lights. There may be the red light, there may be the green light, there may be the yellow light. It makes no earthly difference. (laughs) That people just go. And I remember our first time visiting there and having to cross the road and being so caught up with the fear that I'm going to be taken out, get airlifted to Thailand and have to get my bones reset. But we're with a local who said to us, don't hesitate. And all they did is they put one foot in front of the other and walked out into the street without waiting for the lights to go red, without waiting for that little pedestrian person to start sprinting, because that's relevant in a place like Cambodia, you'd think that just pick a spot, any spot. Don't wait for the traffic to slow down. Put one foot out in front of the other and just evenly, calmly walk to the other side. I watched them do it. It was like watching Moses part the Red Sea. (laughs) That traffic magically just went around and around and around. So I stepped out to do it. And I got to say, with much fear and trembling, all I wanted to do was stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. But I was told by my friend that if I do that, I will cause an accident. That the way that the traffic rules actually work in reality is people just give way to what's in front of them. So as long as you're moving forward, as long as they can see you stepping, as long as they can see you not holding back, they'll work around you. You know, the will of God often works like that for us. That as we step out in faith, as we choose not to tolerate a life that holds back, that God works things by His will that bend around because He's leading us and He guides us and He desires to lead us in to a future filled with His potential and possibilities. The challenge is to be willing to step out, to not hold back. There's a portion of Scripture that inspires me about what it means to live a life of not being held back. It's about predominantly a man named Paul who originally went by the name Saul. And we were introduced to this person in the book of Acts and Acts is the short name of the book. The the book is actually called in its full form, the Acts of the Apostles. And what it is, is it records the stories, the adventures, the activities, the breakdowns of people who lived and ministered often with Jesus, and even those who heard the message for themselves and gave their life to living for Jesus. In it is recorded narratives and realities and history of people who are willing to leave everything that they had behind and press on to the future that God had for them. There's a book filled with people who chose not to live a life held back. And one person that's predominantly covered in this book, The Acts of the Apostles, is a man named Paul who himself was an apostle. Now I know that we don't use that term in day-to-day language, apostle this, apostle that, but it simply means a messenger in the original language. So the Acts of the Apostles is about those that were sent out with the message of Jesus and the things that God did in and through them. And Paul was a significant person. He's a person that had every opportunity to be held back. He had every opportunity to be held back by the weight of his past by the overwhelm of His present and by the uncertainty of His future. I I see in His life the same things that I think we have to overcome in ourselves. 
That if we serve a God who is unlimited, who is calling us forward to step out with a grace that is confident and does not stop, that often we have to overcome the battles in ourselves to step into the future that God has. And that every single one of us are faced with overcoming the weight of our past, the things that have happened, the things that we remember, the things that come back to life in our hearts that seek to hold us back and shut us down, that each and every one of us are even called to overcome the overwhelm of the present, where we don't know what decision to make or what to do or what's right or what's wrong. And simply we just often have to step out and have a go. That many of us even have to overcome the uncertainty of the future. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to press on regardless. That in the life of this person named Paul, we get to see a life that was not held back because he was willing to overcome. In Acts chapter 14, we pick up an account of him as he travels to a city to pioneer a brand new church. Now, I know for us today, it doesn't sound like such a big deal. But for him, Paul and his team in their context, they're going to places where people were outright hostile about anything that was different to the norm. Where for many, they were putting their very lives on the line to even talk about Jesus. I I try to imagine living in that context and in that situation and how would I respond? Would I hold myself back? Would I step back from opportunities that challenge me? Or would I be like Paul and press in? And in Acts chapter 14, we pick up an account of him in a city called Lystra, which I had to double check because when I read it, I see Lystra, but thankfully for the audio Bible, it corrected me. And it's Lystra. Lystra is a tough place in modern day Turkey. It's not the sort of place you'd go to hang out. It's not a holiday destination. There's no beach, there's no particular beauty. It was a military outpost, a place filled with tough-minded people who just got on with things. And Paul goes there because it's the heart of God to reach every single person, everywhere. And as he goes there to start his work of telling people about Jesus, in Acts 14, we see the most amazing thing happened that he comes across a man who had not been able to walk The Scriptures say he had no strength in his legs and he had never been able to walk. And Paul does something that for many would be outside the ordinary, but for those of us who follow Jesus, it's in line with how we live. He prayed. He prayed for this person that was living a life held back. And as he prays, it says that the Scriptures said that the man got up and walked and he went throughout the city, proclaiming what had happened and people who must have known of Him, must have seen Him, possibly begging on the streets, couldn't deny the reality that His life had been changed and transformed all because He came across this person named Paul. But see, in the context, they weren't able to understand what God was doing because in their context, they worshipped gods named Apollo and they worshipped gods named Zeus and Hermes and they thought that they had to make sacrifices to the God of the wind and the God of the rain to make the gods happy with them. And when they saw Paul and his friends there in the city talking about Jesus, they thought that the gods had come down in human form. They thought Zeus was with them. And so they start running around with animals, sacrificing them in front of Paul and his team. Could you imagine that? Walking into a city to extend the good news of Jesus and somebody's running around with a head of a goat. 
saying, fantastic job. Here, I sacrifice this for you. The streets are a mess, covered with refuse and blood. And all Paul could do was to tell people, calm down. We're actually here to tell you about Jesus. The one who loves you and has called you the creator of all things, the one true God. But it struggled for them to grab it. And it says in Acts 14, verse 18 to 20, even though they, talking about Paul and his team, said these things, trying to calm the crowd down, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. So some Jews, some of Paul's countrymen, came from Antioch and Iconium, surrounding cities. And when they won over the crowns, the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. Could you imagine that? Walking into a place, doing what God's called you to do, only to have the opposition, the people against you, hear about what you're doing, rock up to the place where you've got something going on that is effective and real and powerful. And they're able to turn the people against you. So much so that they grab you, they drag you out of town, they pick up the stones that are around their feet and they start throwing them and they do not stop until you've collapsed on the ground and they're convinced that you're dead. Goes on to say in verse 20, after the disciples, those who followed Jesus, gathered around him, Paul, he got up. I don't think they just gathered. I think they prayed. I think they gathered for a purpose. I think they gathered because this was not God's intention. I think they gathered because there was something in them that was not going to accept the opposition that they were facing to pull back and hold back. I mean, how easy would it be to be in that crowd of disciples, followers of Jesus, and just cut and run and bail on the situation and the circumstance? But they get around Paul, broken and bloodied on the ground. And they prayed. And it says, he got up. Scriptures are crazy. Just matter of fact statements. <laughs> they take me a moment. It's almost like if you were reading this, you could blink and miss it. Now he was on the ground. He was down and out. The crowd would not have left him to go back into their city unless they thought he was dead. There was no getting back up from this. He gets up, but he doesn't stop there. He gets up and went into the town. The next day, not then, not right away. The next day he left with Barnabas for another town, Derby. You know, when I read that, that epitomises what it means for me to live a life that doesn't hold back. That I could imagine being dragged out of a town and having stones thrown at me and having people with enough faith to pray that I would get up and get straight back up. But I don't know if I'd have the guts to dust myself off, position myself and say, I'm going to go straight back there. Think how crazy you have to be or how convinced you are, that a life that holds back is a life that tolerates limitations and loss. The Apostle Paul, for me, is an example of a life that is not held back, does not allow the weight of the past, the overwhelm of the present or the uncertainty of the future to stop the things that God is doing. And so I want to talk to us as a church about what it means to be a people who don't hold back about our people who have in our hearts a deep sense of resilience that says that we do not need things to go perfectly 
for us to have the gumption to keep going forward. That we go on regardless, that we push through, that we allow the broken moments to actually show the love of God in and through us. That we're willing to stand with each other in the midst of the worst of the worst positions, stand and pray and support and encourage each other. Just keep walking forward. Don't pull back. Don't hold back. Don't check yourself. Don't stop. Because those who hesitate are lost. Paul for me is somebody who epitomises what it means to live a life that does not hold back because I know his history. I know his background. I know that to begin with, he must have had to overcome the weight of his past. See, the deal is that Paul was not always known as Paul. His name originally was Saul. And I know that's not a big deal, but there must have been a deal on why he changed his name. And so the deal is when we're introduced to this man who was called Paul, but originally named Saul, earlier in the book of Acts, he is not somebody who was following Jesus. He is not somebody who was sold out and willing to face a beating and get up and walk straight back in. He is somebody himself who is recruiting and gathering countrymen of his own to go and hunt down, attack, capture and even kill followers of Jesus. So he began his life as somebody who tried to hold back the things of God, as somebody who would try to hunt down the people who carried the promises of God and do everything he could to hold them back. And it's interesting that as he's in this city, Lystra, possibly a group inspired by what he used to do has found him, has caught up with him and he is not held back himself. Now, for many of us, one of the challenges that we have to move on through to take hold of the future that God has for us is to not be held back by the weight of our past. Paul easily, after being hit with stones and bloodied on the ground and supernaturally recovered, could have easily dusted himself off and said, well, I'm getting what I deserve. I did this to others. This deserves to happen to me. And he could have turned around and walked away defeated. But instead, for the grace of God, he was able to dust himself off, position his feet straight for Lystra and head straight there. He didn't allow the weight of his past to hold him back. He writes in a different portion of the Bible in the New Testament, in a letter to a church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 14. I want you to listen to this. This is a portion of a letter written by a man who has come to grips with his background but does not allow it to hold him back. Paul writes this, But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I can't move past that. That Paul, one of his keys for moving on from a broken past was to not put value on his experiences above what God was calling him into. That he was able to value Jesus more than he was able to value his experiences, more than he was able to allow himself to be shaped, to have his identity shaped by what he'd experienced and what had been done to him. That every single one of us have a challenge that as we choose to live a life that does not hold back, the best life possible is one where we choose to put our value on knowing Jesus. 
Not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him to the extent that we can journey with Him. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Lord, your Lord, individually, to know Him. Because Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. He's not mincing words. That He's saying things that seem so outside of the ordinary that He's lost things that He considered valuable, but because now He's found something so much more valuable in a relationship with the living God. He is not held back. So that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal, His purpose, His vision, His direction is to know Him. And the power of His resurrection is to know Him. That word know there in the original language implies with it an intimacy. Not just a knowledge of, not just information. It's not like somebody just Googled the name of Jesus and has just come up with the information about His life. What He means there is to know Him intimately like somebody that I'm living my life with and for. That the best life possible is a life that knows Jesus lives in relationship with Jesus, is not held back by the things that we've come through, but presses on into the future we're called into. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead, from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or I am already perfect, but I make every effort. I make every effort. Come on, as much as it depends upon me, I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ. You know, the things that we're called to take hold of, Jesus has already taken hold of for us. And the invitation to move forward is this idea of letting go of things that we've held onto in the past, things that we think have shaped us, things that we think have defined us, things that we think that we have to drag from there into now, that we're giving life to things instead of pressing on and taking hold of what Jesus wants to give us. Take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers and sisters, family, do not, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. You know, we're called to move through the weight of the past. Paul faced the weight of the past, the overwhelm of the present, the uncertainty of the future. The weight of his past didn't hold him back. Like Paul, we're called to acknowledge our past and just walk on. There's this great quote, by one of my favourite authors, a man named C.S. Lewis, somebody who later in life encountered God for himself and wrote some of the most amazing children's books possible to express who God is and who God has called people to be. C.S. Lewis wrote these books called The Chronicles of Narnia and they were designed to help children encounter God in language that they could imagine and understand. And even those who read it for them, the parents could even encounter God in a fresh way as well. And he writes in one of his letters about five months before he passed himself, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. I have to say that again. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. 
As a church, we are called to invite people out from the hurts, the memories, the circumstances that will hold them back. We are called to invite people to see beyond where they have been to who they are called to be and where God is calling them to go. Don't hold back. He overcome the weight of his past. But at the same time, Paul had to overcome the overwhelm of the present. He faced it and he walked through it. Could you again imagine being Paul, having been hit by these stones, having been raised up to life, having had the guts and the tenacity to dust yourself off, to direct yourself back to Lystra and step out with faith and go back and face the overwhelm of the present. The crowds are still there. The people who picked up a rock and threw it at Him are still there. The problems have not gone away. And it's so easy to live our lives thinking in overwhelm from one problem to the next. And I don't think for a moment that Paul hesitated to get up and walk in, that he simply brushed himself off and walked ahead and overcame the overwhelm because he was willing to face it. The worst way to deal with overwhelm is to dodge, is to pull back, is to hide, is to put off, is to put off till tomorrow the things that can be done today to try to allocate from another time the things that you can do now that makes a difference, to choose to live the life now that God has called you to instead of imagining it's gonna happen at a different point. So it's what we do now that makes a difference. It's what we choose to do as we show up and press in and press on. And Paul chose not to allow the overwhelm of the present to hold him back. You know, I'm mindful of it portion of the Scriptures in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, where it talks about Jesus had just been to his hometown, Nazareth. He was a hometown boy. He championed his people, but he started to talk about the reality that nobody could actually receive him for who he was in his hometown because of familiarity, because they didn't see through to who he really was, all they saw of what they thought he could be. And he challenged them. But in the midst of challenging them, the people got so upset. How dare you, Jesus, talk about this? How dare you, Jesus, present yourself as the Messiah? How dare you, Jesus, present yourself as somebody here to help us? And it says that they gathered Him and they took Him out of the city and they're about to do to Him what the people of Lystra had done to Paul. But it says in Luke chapter 4, 28 to 30, when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up and drove him, Jesus, out of town and brought him to the edge of the hill that the town was built on. They were intending to hurl him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. You know, for many of us, as we're presented with the overwhelm of the day and the pressures and the decisions and the directives, that it is the heart of God that would call us to show up and be present and allow Him to lead us to walk straight through it. You are called not to hold back. You are called to take hold. Paul writes again in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a way to live at peace no matter what is going around us. And peace here doesn't mean compromise. It doesn't mean peace as the way we understand the world means it. Peace here 
means everything as it should be in the heart of God. And you almost hear Paul gives a process that I imagine maybe he did in his own heart as he dusts himself off, as he positions himself, as he walks straight back into Lystra to face the crowds against him. I wonder if he had an opportunity to be caught up in anxiety. I wonder if he had an opportunity to be caught up in fear. I wonder if he had an opportunity to be caught up in overwhelm. And instead he chooses to go to God in prayer. You know that prayer means that you can process things with God? Prayer often means that you have an open-ended conversation where you can get out of your heart and your head the things that are swirling. They do nothing more than shut you down. Petition. Petition means to make a request. It means to ask for help. It means to ask God to intervene. That you can have the boldness, not just to process what's going on with God, but to expect and engage with Him for living help. He goes on to say, with thanksgiving. Do you know how powerful it is to bring gratitude, a smile into the worst of the worst? That it shows that I will not be held down. I will not allow the stones that have hit me to keep me bound and broken. That I'll get up. That I'll thank God for the opportunity to keep going forward and I will not tolerate the overwhelm presented in front of me. We are called as a church to overcome the overwhelm, to press in to the now and see what God wants to do now. As a church, we are called to invite people out of the overwhelm, out of the storms of life and into a living and active reliance and relationship with Jesus. The one who calms the storms as it instills his Peace. Final thought I'd give, inspired by the life of Paul, a life that did not tolerate being held back, is that Paul shows us what it means to overcome the uncertainty of the future. Like Paul, we can press on and take hold of what God's made available. Paul was heading back after he dusted himself off into a very uncertain future. It would have been so easy to take the moment to go to another town and say, because I'm not welcome here, because this has happened, I should give up. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But he ends up going in there, staying a night. And if you read on to the rest of the chapter, he leaves and comes back again to finish the work. He didn't allow the uncertainty of his future to stop him from doing what he knew God had called him to do. For many of us, It's easier to choose to shut down in the midst of uncertainty than it is to press on, to walk through, to take hold. And the challenge for us is to be a people that say, we will not stop. We will not tolerate hesitation. We are people who set out and take hold because often other people's victory is waiting on the other side of our obedience. Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. We are all afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Paul lived with an overwhelming conviction 
that Jesus' life in Him would overcome anything that people would say is deaf around Him. That He carried with Himself a boldness that said, I'm not waiting for the traffic to pass around me. I'm not waiting for a stop. I'm not waiting for the ideal moment. What I'm doing is that I'm hearing what is the heart of God and I'm pressing on regardless. That we get to, in the call of God, press in and step into our future simply by our willingness to step out. That as God calls, it's an invitation to partner with Him. That God does not control any single person. You are not a robot. You have the ability to make choices for yourself and the invitation is there to press on, to press through and to overcome the uncertainty that others would live by, choose to make their decisions by. That it's so easy to live our lives by the headlines of the newspapers, thinking that that sets our agenda and that sets who we are. But instead, for those that are called to press on, we are people who choose not to be held back by the uncertainty of the future. We choose to step in and allow God to create the future through us. I'm convinced of this with everything that I have. If there's one message that I burn with in my heart above all, is that God wants to create the future through you. He is calling out the potential that He's placed inside you. And that as we are willing to step into it, as we are willing to step in, it's like it creates a way. Scripture talks about there are streams in the desert and a way in the wilderness that is the heart of God to make ways where there never seemed ways possible. That as people of God, we stand in the midst of uncertainty and we say it's the heart of God for us to be led through. That we do not allow ourselves to be held back. And I wanna challenge us as a church to not tolerate the idea that we've come this far and no further, that there is more, that every single one of us, there is more, there is more in the heart of God for you. And I know some of us might feel like we've hit a few stones, that we've had a few rocks thrown at us, that we're here crumpled on the ground, that we're partially broken. And I understand Paul doesn't, disregard the reality of what he was facing, but he got up in faith, dusted himself off, positioned himself into his future and stepped right back in. For some of us today, you need to get up. You need to get up. You need to get up. Jesus is calling you, get up, get up and go back. Do not tolerate being held back anymore. It is not the heart of God for you. As a church, we are called to invite people to inherit the promises of God, to step into their future, to know and understand who they are called to be. Some of us, we're fighting for the freedom of others simply by rocking up and doing what we're called to do. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.